The great land is bathed in the red light of dusk. Those seven days have almost passed. Travis, drunk, and worst of all, Mike! Me! I'm Mike! I'm here! Previously on the Wheelbarrow Full of Dicks Internet Radio Program. Guys, I need to concentrate! I need to find the back door before their security system figures out that I'm here! Oh my god, it looks like they're closing the wall. You need to go faster. Work around. Find the workaround. You have 20 seconds. Oh god, do it! Do a trace route! Do a trace route! We, nope, nope, nope. We need 15 more seconds and we're not gonna be able to pull it down. I'm gonna have to route all the data around Shanghai! Hold on! No, it's coming into Los Angeles. He's rerouted it. Find it. You gotta guys, it down. Guys, everything! You got 10 is, seconds. It's moving too fast! They're, they're going to find me! Do wop bop bop do wop bop bop. W F O D. WFOD, my name is Mike. I am joined by my good friend, Mr. Drunkard STL on the Twitters. Yo ho, yo ho, a podcast live for me. And guys, the king of pranks, the albino alligator, the Duke of Denim, Mr. Travis Hulse is here. Thanks for having me. Guys, uh, coming up after the break, we are going to be talking to uh, actor Chad Coleman. He's uh, he's in a new movie, Travis. It's called uh, The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. Looks fucking great, looks Travis. Looks pretty good. That's a great title. Yeah, it's it's like a... Travis, it kind of looks like a... like a uh, uh, urban Frankenstein. Okay. It's pretty cool looking, Travis. Uh, looking forward to talking to him. He's, uh, he's the bad guy on... Uh, Superman and Lois right now, too, which is pretty cool. So, uh, Travis, I want to talk about a different movie, though. I want to talk to you about the Flamin' Hot Cheetos movie. Did you see that they're making what? a Flamin' Hot Cheetos movie, Travis? What? About, is it, and then, like, so one guy said he invented it, and then he didn't actually. Oh, there's like a weird influx of these movies. Travis, they, didn't. Didn't they just put they put out that Tetris movie? Then isn't Glenn Howerton in the Blackberry movie? It's all like these <laughs> shit that pe- like came out like it's like well, Eva Longoria is directing it at Travis. Uh, let's it's not a- forget about uh, the 
Nike Air movie. Air, about, yeah. Uh, what is happening? I just watched Air the other night, Travis. Pretty all right. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I heard it's, yeah, I heard it's, well, it's, well, I mean, it's got Jason Bateman, so it can't be yeah, yeah, it's right? fine. I, I have the trailer for the Flaming Hot Cheetos movie, though, Travis. Here we Play go. it. I don't care if we work all weekend. We gotta get this delivery out of the Flaming Hot Cheetos. He delivered Flaming Hot Cheetos for Frito Lay. Let me get the door for you. Thanks, David. You're the best Frito-Lay hat. Until one day, terrorists tried to close their factory. We will curse the infidels by delaying their precious cheeps. These Frito-Lay employees are my friends, and I will not let them disrupt our production of Flaming Hot Cheetos. Travis, I clicked the wrong one. That's not the Flaming Hot Cheetos. (laughs) (laughs) This 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 is the Flaming Hot Cheetos, Travis. The guy started at the very bottom. I know I don't look it, but I got a PhD. Hmm. I'm poor, hungry, and determined, sir. Okay, I can see you're gonna be a weird one. What's happening? Playoffs, son. Lots of them. Frito-Lay isn't getting enough orders to keep the factory open. Who eats Cool Ranch anyway? That lady. Ow, 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 ow. What is it? It burns. You stop eating it? No, I like it. It burns good. I had been searching for an answer. And there it was. They had been there the entire time. I got an idea. It's a spicy chip. It's going to change everything. It will save our factory. And you're a janitor. Travis, so that sounds this fucking trailer awful. Travis is based what? on a book. Uh, this guy, his name is uh, Richard Montanez. Uh, he was a janitor at the Frito-Lay factory, Travis, and he wrote a book. Uh, it's called Flamin' Hot, The True Story of One Man's Rise from Janitor to Top Executive. It's so about this is Goodwill Hunting, but with Cheetos. How he invented the Flamin' Hot Cheeto, Travis. The only problem is everybody at Frito-Lay says he's full of shit and he didn't actually According to Greenfield, the feel-good story about Richard was a lie. She claims that Flamin' Hot Cheetos was her project, so she got in touch with the company's legal team and let them know what was happening. This triggered a company investigation which concluded with Frito-Lay making this statement. None of our records show that Richard was involved in any capacity in the Flaming Hot test market. So, he's going on tour, he's making... Tons of bucks, Travis. He goes out and he has a feel-good story. Like, you know, hey, man, I, I'm an immigrant. Like, I came from nothing. And then I invented Flamin' Hot Cheetos. And now look at me. I'm rich. If you're familiar at all, I mean, even just like a basic knowledge of food production, every single company and pr- pretty much every single branch of that company in production has laboratories where they come up with different things and create the new flavors and things like, yeah, somebody in marketing or something might have an idea like, oh, why don't you try to put this together? But typically it's created in a lab and they're like, yeah, let's do this and then call it this. They're a janitor. I can't see a janitor being like, you know, it would be fun is if you took this delicious crispy corn snack and put hotness in it and they're like oh what should we call it and he's like well let's call it flaming hot cheetos why have we not been talking to the janitors this whole time so, yeah. so, <laughs> so how did he go from janitor to executive to executive if he had nothing to do with it did he become an executive 
Dude, yeah, that's what then I'm saying. Why didn't Did he, he fire these people who were saying that he didn't come up with the Cheetos? That's the statement that I want from Frito-Lay, is... This guy was a janitor. He worked here for like three weeks. That's all he did. He never <laughs> rose in the company. He cleaned the shitters for three weeks. He didn't show up a couple times and we fired him. His alleged life story is now optioned as a movie, a biopic, fully cast, being directed by Eva Longoria. But there is a problem. His timeline does not add up. Sam Dean spoke with 20 Frito-Lay workers who say this big meeting never happened. So this movie is coming out, Travis. And uh, maybe it's bullshit. <laughs> Listen, I worked at Walmart for like four years and I was like a stockman and I unloaded trucks and shit. Is there something that Walmart did that I could take credit for? Write a book? <laughs> I guess maybe like it's still a good story and like probably uplifting for people. Well, and listen, just you tag it on a, there and say, hey, yeah, none of this is true. It's just fiction. And you know, you know, it's the mark of quality when it's directed by Eva Longoria. <laughs> uh, yeah. So when I was working at Taco Bell, that was when the Crunchwrap Supreme first came out. And you were like, and back then they claimed that, you know, it was created by some employee out west somewhere. So. It, you were like, what if this burrito was crunchy? We had all kinds of great ideas. Oh, at, trust me. They encouraged that, especially at, late at night. At, at Pizza Hut, Travis, like we made salad pizzas. We made crab pizzas. We made all kinds oh, of dude. stuff. Some of well, our they didn't want you creations to were awesome. Oh, no. They encouraged us. Yeah. Maybe at Taco Bell where the ingredients were 20 cents per pound. Oh, yeah. No, pizza. we were just making pizzas for fun. Yeah, Pizza Pizza Hut didn't want you to be just using their ingredients to make you and your friends uh, it pizzas. Was, it was the it was the same conglomerate at the time. <laughs> Probably why I got fired, Travis. Actually, I, I think that was owned by uh, Frito Lay slash PepsiCo at the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Yum Brands. Yum yeah. Brands. Travis, I got a good one. They for got you. rid of A and W. It is time for the hustle watch. I think you're really gonna like this one, Travis. Guarantee it. Contact lenses that had seen a Taylor Swift tour were put up for $10,000. A fan <laughs> tried to sell the dried up items on a clothing sales site, arguing that they were in excellent condition. I mean, ew. Surprisingly, some people have seemingly shown genuine interest in the purchase. Yet, after receiving some backlash online, the owner backed out, claiming it was all a joke. So she I uh I had my underwear on uh eBay that I wore when I went to a Justin Timberlake concert. Uh <laughs> was hoping that would sell, but uh no go. Jizzed just a little. Just a little. <laughs> when Senorita came on, not when Senorita came on. Yeah, not full release. Now all it's all it was all pre-cum. When just Senorita came on, he did he, Nelly came out and they did uh girlfriend, but without the rest of InSync, it was amazing. These boxer shorts heard Justin Timberlake. <laughs> so how many how many boxes of fruit roll ups did you buy? Oh, I've got a stockpile. I got a case. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to figure out exactly how to list them, but I got a case of fruit roll ups uh in the other room. Um and what, just getting ready to unload. Flavored? You gotta be you, you gotta be care you gotta be careful. Well, it's a multi okay. multi pack. Right. You gotta be careful with that though because you can't you can't list them all at once. 
you have to be scarce about it, right? You got to be right. putting it up there, yeah, yeah. And, and you got to like one at a time. You know, supply, there's these dipshits. demand, yeah, exactly. Like, there's these dipshits yeah. out there when they put out these eBay listings, they like put it like a, a quantity available, and it's all like, oh, there's like fifty available. It's like you dumb fucker, you just took your price down like 30 percent because people realize that there's you got 50 of them <laughs> what you got to do is put them out one at a time yep and uh every time they sell you put up a new one these are really hard to come by i uh, you're not gonna these fruit roll-ups at least in your country are gonna be real difficult to get yeah you get one i'll ship it to you and then if tell you want friends. another one call me yeah maybe your, tell, maybe i can find one put so contact you, information in your package did you sell that here not yet no not, nothing's listed Oh, okay. Gotta admire the hustle, though, right, Travis? $10,000 for some contact lenses? That ain't bad. That's unbelievable. That's one of the best ones I've heard in a long time, actually. Guys, what we're going to do, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Chad Coleman. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's an actor man. Looking forward to it. Stick around. Death is a disease. It infected my brother, Chris. My hypothesis, there's a cure. Your daughter has a very disturbing obsession. What obsession? Death. Just think about your brother. You didn't have the chance to bury him. Just wish I could catch who took his body. Death is the disease that broke my family. I'm sick of seeing it. The mad scientist! What Jada be running around here calling you some type of mad scientist? Can I hang out with my friend? What friend? Chris. Where did you see him? He talks to me. portion of the book says babies are taught to be racist or anti-racist. There is no neutrality. Another portion of the book, they recommend the babies confess when being racist. Now this is a book that is taught at Georgetown Day School to students in pre-K through second grade, so four through seven years old. Anti-racist babies. Um, do you, do you agree with this book that is being taught with kids that the babies are racist? Time once again for the Hollywood Beat with your inside source, Drunk. And this week, Drunk talks to Jack Harlow about White Men Can't Jump, premiering May 19th on Hulu. So, how did you get involved in this project? 
Well, I knew they needed someone white, so I said, you know what? I'm in. Okie dokie. Guys, I watched the movie Sisu, and I am happy to report that it does have a horse in it. Back. Our guest tonight has been on shows like The Walking Dead, The Wire, The Orville, and more. He's currently on Superman and Lois on The CW, and in a new film called The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, premiering everywhere June 9th. Guys, Chad Coleman is on the program. Chad, this uh, this movie that you're in it looks really great. I haven't seen it yet, just saw the trailer. And Yeah, The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. 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 You know, it's pretty amazing. Is it as good as it looks, or did they dress up this trailer? Because the trailer is, is awesome. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's, 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 it's as good as advertised. It's, it's going to be a classic. You know, it's the reimagining of the Frankenstein story through the eyes of a young black girl. And uh, it's an amazing story with a lot of social political you know, layers to it. And, um, just the classic gore, but, uh, you know, just taking it on from uh, the aspect of uh, the African-American culture. And I, uh, I'm kind of shocked that they haven't done that yet. Like, it seems like an idea that, it, it, I mean, it's such a good idea. Is like, yeah, I, I agree. But it's also been like seven years in the making for uh, Omani J's story, who's the director. Uh, it'll give you a sense of like, get out. Or you might think, 
you know, Jordan Peele was that like, inspiration. Yeah, for him. that was the idea I got from the trailer. It looked, uh, but it wasn't. Yeah, he, he was he was cooking this up. This is a uh, something personal. He just connected with the Shelley Frankenstein story when he was younger, and uh, then just kind of it kind of stuck with him. And then he just he started to uh, formulate what what's come to be this movie, and uh, it's going to be amazing. It's truly uh, going to be a cult classic, I think. It's crazy that things like this can show up and i i've didn't even know about it and like i i guess it's like now there's probably a ton more opportunities to make movies like this but also more opportunity for it to kind of not get noticed because of like there's so much content that things can kind of slip between the crack does that make sense like there's just yeah, there's course. so many because options because of the volume, you know, the volume that's out there now, and uh, and it's all always positioning. But we we're fortunate. We we pretty much premiered at the uh, at South by Southwest, so you know that's a huge festival. And um, some of the folks involved, like Prip TV, some of these folks come from Bloomhouse and created their own deal. Uh, you know, the Crip TV platform. So uh, we got some, you know, notoriety uh, behind us. A bit of a grassroots campaign, but uh, we think it's catching on. And, uh, you know, June 9th, you know, go see the Transformers and, and also go see <laughs> my girl and her monster. <laughs> if you can't get in Transformers, <laughs> take it behind into our movie and you will be You'll be glad you came for sure. It really is that good. I'm not just saying it. I'm, I, it really is a very powerful movie. Chad, you've been in a ton of stuff. I, I mean, you've been working since like the early 90s, right? And I mean, like yeah. you've, you've been on just about every TV show that anybody likes out I've there. I've been on a few classics. <laughs> <laughs> you've been, I, I'd say you've been on most of them, most of the classics at some point, right? I've been fortunate, that's for sure. But I, I, I'm curious how you got there. You started off as like an athlete and then you got hurt and then you just started acting from that, like while you were hurt? It pretty much plays out that way. But um, I was always dabbling, always curious, always compelled with the theater and uh, poetry, the spoken word, all things creative. So it was always in there. I just had to realize that that was my destiny. Yeah, so. so you didn't like stumble into it on accident. You were kind of always like a creative kid and stuff. I was, but you know, I, I loved reading. I enjoyed reading and um, I was really good at reading and comprehension. And so I was, the teacher was called the principal in to listen to, to hear me because I read so well. So, you know, that was, that's kind of was, the entree, like my first public performance was reading Dr. Seuss uh, aloud to the fourth click, fourth grade class. The attention and and um, the adrenaline I felt doing it and it made me feel special and uh, people responded well. So that that was like the seed of it for me. And then I would go and sit with the the, the theater kids when they were rehearsing and um, I just had an ear for it. I think I had an ear for dialogue and I would, I would tell them how they should say it <laughs> and they did it. So, so, 
you know, I, I, you know, I don't think I think actors are born, not made. You know, you can uh, perfect your craft, but uh, that that you know, the strong pull to do it. And we used to read Scholastic magazine in in uh, in high school in English, and there was always the play in the back, and whenever. We had to read the play. You know, most people were like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I was trying to do it for real. And people were like, why are you trying to do it for real? It's it's a gift, man. You know, sure. it's, um, either you're drawn to it or you're not. And I think it's, it's it, again, it's just been a uh, tremendous gift. It's something I'm always been passionate about. You know, I've been in the biz 30 plus years and I'm still as excited and looking forward to bigger and better things. Is collaborating with other actors and stuff like you, you said that you were telling them how to read it is that something that is like like a, a big virtue in that business and i mean like does that lend itself to like the directors and stuff like if you come in and like kind of work with people and, and like you know say hey why don't you try reading it this way and stuff like no that that's not, that's not at all I was, no i was the complete opposite <laughs> the rules of engagement. <laughs> you never give an actor a line reading. You oh, know, no. you should never do that. They don't like I was, that? I came out of the box wrong. Already, so <laughs> <laughs> I had no business telling those actors how to say the line. But, uh, but I didn't know that. I didn't know anybody. <laughs> I would never do that now. Uh, there is a way to collaborate. There's, you know, we... There's a, we all understand what the professional way to communicate with one another, what that is. And uh, it's certainly not to, we can have a conversation about the scene and I can tell you where I'm coming from yeah, in the yeah. scene. But, uh, and then I'll just listen to you tell me where you're coming from. And then you feel each other out. And um, if you feel comfortable, like uh, Daya, Veda and I on Superman and Lois, like we, we, we could have, you know, we go in deep conversations and uh, it's, all, it's all good. You know, you give the green light to say, if you could share with me what you think you, you kind of hear or see me, see me. If you hear or see something, you know, in your mind's eye that's different that may help my performance. Right. And uh, yeah, we can we can we can talk about it. But you don't really tell a, a, another chef how to cook, I guess. Uh, no, 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 you know, you say, you know what? When I made it before, yeah. you know, I, I added these things. I don't know. I'm just, uh, you know, offering it up. But yeah, you always want to, you know, stay in your lane to to a certain degree when you're. Uh, it's a certain level of professionalism, and uh, you, you don't ever want to be. That's that's not a comp. You can create a real static situation right. if you do that. So how important is chemistry with uh, another actor? Oh, it's everything to me. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not, I don't think it's something that you can rehearse. People don't talk about it a lot, but energy is very much a part of what we do. Absolutely. So either you, either that, either you, you can feel the energy of another actor. And when you can feel that energy and feed off of it, and even before you say words, there's energy between you and another actor. That's the sweet spot. Yeah. It, you mentioned that you're on uh, Superman and Lois this season. That's kind of a cool character that you're playing. It's kind of uh, like a meaty role, right? Yeah, it was it was fantastic. I I thank uh, Greg Berlanti and the whole team, uh, the showrunners, and 
for uh, offering up such an amazing role. And again, it's a reexamination of a role that's already been around. And uh, fortunate enough, they they had the vision to, to have a person of color play the role and and allow what that brings to the table to, you know, kind of. Sure. Yeah. Heighten, heighten the tension of the scenes. You know, it worked in, in a um, like um, Bruno Man's Bruno Mannheim's perspective and is where he came from it. It heightened the backstory and it increased the tension between he and Superman and Lois and and uh, and steel. It's weird nowadays seeing the superheroes fight people who you almost kind of in some ways agree with. Like, I remember growing up watching the Adam West Batman and like Burgess Meredith playing the penguin and like he was just bad. He was just robbing banks and 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 smoking cigarettes but like yeah it, like the, the these characters <laughs> are, <laughs> these characters are, are like I love them. <laughs> there's a gray area and, and it seems yeah. kind of weird that we're we're making more complex villains that you yeah. don't necessarily mm-hmm. totally yeah. hate outright but That's like true. it seems that like we are becoming more black and white you know what i mean yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say that pretty much like uh, from the political yeah. spectrum. But uh, you know, the evolution of the the of the whole comic book world and, and evolving into a more complex, you know, three dimensional gray. That's I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm that's exciting to me. And yeah. uh, you know, we so we've seen we've seen it in all of them from Batman, the you know, the last one that came out. You know. Um, we're just going fortunate enough to 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 really be going into this thing uh, from the standpoint of, of making these characters less one, two dimensional, very three dimensional and uh, complex and uh, giving the audience more to chew on and think about uh, when it comes to these characters. Which I, I think that's that's what makes it even more compelling, makes you lean in even more because you, you're not outright sure i'm gonna take you on a journey yeah where you thought you were gonna go you didn't know that no we're going down this block and that block and now you're going wow oh okay and you and you can walk away with something to think about you know it's not just strictly entertainment or escapism. yeah is that is that because they're they're advertising to like man children like me now as opposed to like i I guess the old comic book stuff they were like okay well only Teen kids, boys are going right. to read this. Yeah. Now those teen boys are men, and they want that's correct. Stories, and and you, yeah, and you want to keep them keep them coming, and then the young people are still going to you know perceive it as they do. They're not going to catch all the nuance of it, right? But it's still a lot of uh, still a know, lot of explosions and stuff. Sure, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you still having a good time. You know, the kids are having fun. The adults are getting a little something more to chew on, and um, I think that's a win win for everybody. So you're acting in school and then you join the army and you were, you were a cameraman in the army, right? Yeah. Well, so what happened was initially I was supposed to go to NYU to school of the arts because I'm long story short, I was awarded the court of the state of Virginia. Any kid in that position who didn't have legal parents, they were going to, they were, they were to receive a free uh, scholarship. So I got accepted into NYU Tisch School of the Arts 
Ronald Reagan changed some laws and it really it stripped me of that scholarship. So I went to Virginia Commonwealth University in my hometown. Wait, did um, he change it like the school. summer before you went to school? Yeah, oh, that's geez. what happened. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 that's a tough fact, break, I mean, Jack. I had my acceptance letter from NYU, so I, I thought I was all already set to go. And uh, the caseworker came to me and just said, um, you know, hey, I'm so sorry, this is not going to happen. Because Ronald Reagan took this program away, gave the money to defense. And uh, so that left me to go to school in my hometown and a wonderful program for technique, but I was already ahead of the game. So I was uh, chomping at the bit to get to New York. So I decided to go into the military and um, I went to the recruiter and asked for something in communication. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he slapped in the half inch videotape and it was a <laughs> 84, 84 Foxtrot. And uh, I said, well, I, I can do that. He's like, yeah, you know, you're going to learn television production and you're going to learn some film and, you know, um, and you're going to do some studio stuff and you're going to do some radio as well. So was that like, wow. was your training in that you didn't like have like a any. Pre yeah, no, I got the knowledge. They, taught me. they huh. sent me to no, no, no. They sent me to they sent me to school for it huh. they, in Denver, in Denver, Colorado. They at an at at Air Force base. They taught us everything, uh, radio, TV, in the studio. And, you know, it was, it was amazing how to edit tape and. It was a great job. And I and if I, you know, if I wasn't an actor, I would have stayed in because I was traveling all over the world per diem and regular clothes and yeah. And uh so there's before yeah, Desert Storm or Oh yes, yes it was. And I because I got out right before the first Desert Storm. I was in from eighty five to eighty nine. Okay. So and I thought they were gonna say, Nope, you can't leave because <laughs> of that. But <laughs> Well and that that's what I was gonna ask is okay, you're you're doing that in the army and then you leave the army, do you go to Hollywood to act or do you go to Hollywood because you're a cameraman? No, no, no. I, I was, I, I was, I went to New York and I thought I was like, I was trying to get a job at night at a radio station or a television station. But the thing I didn't um, factor in was New York, a huge market, there's a lot of comp competition sure, yeah. from communication you schools. Like culture or something. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, my little four years of army experience didn't even garner me one. You know, I didn't even have uh, one interview. Wow. So I had to. So I and right away, you know, I couldn't use it, and um, you know, I got my first gig. I was a stand-in on the Cosby Show. And so, you know, I had, just had to hit the ground running as an actor and doing whatever survival jobs I could do. That's cool. And uh, what, that, what do you what do you do as a stand in on the Cosby show? Are you just like in the background opening and closing lockers or <laughs> no, what do you like? Well, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, um, no. So what happens is the, the cameras need to rehearse. Oh, and okay. they don't want the actors. They don't want to overwork the actors with it. So you have someone like I would have a piece of tape across my chest. <laughs> Theo, and I do all of Theo's lines and all his blocking. Yeah, man, that's what really went down. So, so you were off camera, Theo? Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. I, I actually I did all of them. Whenever there was oh. a bunch of dialogue for most of the male characters, obviously except Cosby. Cosby had his own stand-in, but uh, yeah, I went between all the all the guys. But uh, yeah, that was Theo. And uh, what happens when a stand-in Theo is better than actual Theo? 
Uh, I am telling you <laughs> nothing, nothing. <laughs> because here's the deal. You know, you rehearse uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. On Friday, when they tape, you're not there. They yeah. don't need you anymore. Yeah. So it was it was tough. I actually was doing it. To, I thought I was auditioning for the show. Actually, it was my first, you know, audition, and I I thought it was for the show itself, but. It was to be a stand-in. I got it. I mean, the line was around the block at yeah. uh, Kaufman and Astoria Studios. A lot, so many people wanted to do it, and I did get it. But I thought it was to be on the show. And then once I found out what I was doing, at a certain point, I was disenchanted with it. Because yeah. when you rehearse, they shoot it just like you're the actual actor. So the cast and everybody is watching and yeah. I knew I was really good. And I knew I was, I knew I was just as good as anybody else on the show. So that's why I got despondent because I was like, I can do this and I'm not being given an opportunity to do what I know I'm that sure. good at. You so, ever, you ever wonder if those tapes are like in a storage unit somewhere? Or something? I wish I'd love to see it. <laughs> but needless to say, guys, they fired me, okay? Uh, so well, I'm sure it was a good learning that. experience, though, right? Sure. Yeah. No, it was amazing. You know, I was around all of them and uh, pretty much kind of befriended Malcolm Jamal Warner. And uh, we, he'd invite me to his room and to talk about certain some things he'd see me in, like a, a music video, because at that time he was directing music videos. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, hey, man, come to the room, check. That's you. You're in this music video, and yeah, man. And it, it, what, what happened? You guys only had one camera. It looks a little cheap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. Thanks for breaking it down. <laughs> but uh, it was a non-union job, bro. So, uh, but it was amazing to be around. You know, Bill's a legend, regardless of all those other things yeah, at, sure. at that time. The legend was the legend, so it was interesting to see how he worked and. And and Lisa Bonet, you know, amazing, and and all of them. It was a, it was an amazing experience for sure. I I probably took it a little bit for granted, but <laughs> yeah, looking back at it now, use. you're kind of like a well. But I, well, I mean, in the moment, sure, you're, you're hungry, you want to do something. Who I am, sure. and Malcolm Jamal Warner knows me, and it's like, oh my god, man, you did it. You know, <laughs> you went from you know being a stand in to. You know, iconic shows yourself. Right. Congratulations. So, yeah, it's a little full, little full circle moment there for sure. I haven't watched the Orville, but I saw a clip of it earlier because I, I was looking at stuff on you. And uh, I watched all the clips of, of uh, your your character, your, yeah. your character uh, uh, taking up smoking. Yeah. It's a yeah, funny it's show, Chad. I, oh, my I, God. I didn't, wa- I didn't watch the is the Orville still going or is that over? Well, no, I mean, we're waiting. Now there's a strike, so we're waiting even longer. But we're waiting to hear about the announcement of season four. So, Yeah. uh, That's like what I was saying earlier. There's too much stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But this is a show you should see, bro. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, this is Seth MacFarlane, man. And this is not Family Guy. Uh, Uh, No. It's like uh, like a Star Trek show or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a Shatner-like character on the show, and uh, and I'm part of an alien couple, uh, the Mocklins. You, you who, like don't have a neck. You have like a big. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Well, how, how yeah, long you guys didn't make up for that? An all male species that can have babies, so it's uh, <laughs> an incredibly interesting way to get at certain, um, you know, 
certain subject matters that are going on in the world and yeah. you know it's clever a clever way to get at these things but uh sci-fi has always done that you know been a, a nice backdrop to take on certain issues that other people might be uncomfortable with so yeah we're having a great time it is a yeah. great show it's Looks both great. funny and serious so, so so how long do you guys in the makeup chair for out. that show oh uh, no um Seth, Seth went to uh, K&B, that's Howard Berger and uh, Greg Nicotero's, uh, they're like the premier special effects, makeup effects, you know, in the business. So these guys, he just went to him and said, you know, it had to be efficient and, uh, you know, we couldn't be in the chair for so long. Yeah. So the, the headdress is a cowl, you pull that over and then two pieces for the face. Uh, so it's an hour and 10 minutes. Well, that ain't bad. No, 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 no. And you can sleep, you know. Wake <laughs> me up when it's done. Now, but I love Howard Berger. He's amazing. So that would, that would is creep me out, guy. Chad. You, you wake up and there's somebody like working on your face. That doesn't creep you out. Nah, I mean, nah, it comes with the territory. It. You know what you got. You know what you're getting into. You know. So I always want everybody is on my bucket list since I saw. Um, What's his name? Alan Rickman in, in Galaxy Quest. You know, I'm gonna be in that getup. So, yeah. Chad, where should I send people? I got June 9th for the Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. That looks awesome. Uh, that's gonna yes. be on demand. Is that gonna, that's gonna be in theaters too, right? Absolutely, it's gonna be re- released in theaters across the country. Yeah, people and should then go also, see that. That looks great. Oh yeah, it's it's gonna, you you will not be disappointed. It's it's a, an amazing movie. Uh, should I? Do you have like a social media or something I should send people to? Oh yeah, or? well at, at Chad L. Coleman on Instagram and and uh, and Facebook. Chad, man, it's cool talking to you. I feel like we we could do this again easy. I didn't ask you about The Walking Dead. I didn't ask you about The Wire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> next thing you got something going on, Chad? Give us a call. We could do this again, man. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we'll do it again. We going? We'll do it again after um, after. Um, um, the angry black girl and the monster comes out. Cool, we'll come cool, back. Cool. Chat some more. Appreciate your time, man. It was cool talking to you. Indeed, guys, a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Appreciate you. Okay, have Thank a great you. night. You too. Chad Coleman, right? Yeah. Good guy. My guy. A Z from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Does a lot of shit, Travis. He's been on all the TV shows. Uh, he was going to do, do a dog abortion Walking for, uh, for Mac in that show. <laughs> Travis, um, I, I want to tell you a story about my dog, and you're going to think I'm crazy. But will I like the story? Already, I don't know. I already think you're crazy. I don't know, Travis. I, I, I've accepted I'm one of those crazy dog people at this point. And like I, I tell stories about my dogs and nobody cares. But I'm going to tell them. My, my problem with you and your dogs is you, you favor the wrong one. No, Lily, <laughs> Lily's the best. So we got bumblebees, Travis. We got bumblebees all over the place, and yep. both the dogs chase the bumblebees. 
they're obsessed with the fucking bumblebees. They chase them all the time. And I yell at them. I say, stop chasing the fucking bumblebees because one of these days you're going to piss off a bumblebee. It's going to sting you. Um, but the other day, Lily like winged a bumblebee and fucked it up real good. And I thought, oh, well, finally she got one. She's been trying to kill one of these bumblebees for years. And finally she got one and like her bloodlust is quenched. No. Travis took her inside after she she uh, she was she was very curious about this bumblebee who she damaged. The bumblebee was kind of just walking around because like it was fucked up, couldn't fly anymore, but it wasn't dead. Right. And she went inside and she was so goddamn concerned about this bumblebee. She wanted to go back outside and check on the bumblebee. So we go back outside and she's just watching the bumblebee and she's whining. She's she's bummed out that this bumblebee isn't flying anymore. And then she I got her to finally go back inside. I actually had to pick her up and bring her inside because she wouldn't that's come inside. Lo- that's a large dog for you to be picking up and carrying. Watching this goddamn bumblebee. And then the next time we came outside, bumblebee's dead on the, the porch, Travis. <clears throat> and she is out there mourning this bumblebee. Like, she is crying because she's so sad that she killed this bumblebee. Mm-hmm. And you probably think I'm crazy. You think, oh, well, the dog isn't sad that it killed a bumblebee. But it was. It was fucking mortified that it killed a bumblebee. And I think that she just wanted to play with the bumblebee. I don't think that she meant to kill the bumblebee. And that she was sad that she killed the bumblebee. Now, am I crazy? I'm crazy, right? Yes. No. I couldn't get her away from the dead bumblebee. She no, was I laying believe- down and staring at it and weeping for this fucking bumblebee. I feel like she'd probably have the same response if you had like a motorized toy for her that she was able to chase around and bat around. And then all of a sudden this dog chews up every toy she's ever had. Anymore. Yeah, no, yes. she destroys all the toys. A, a toy, oh, a toy has never oh, lasted five minutes. All dogs do that. My, My dog, dog never that. did that. Oh, mine does. You can't buy it. It doesn't matter how strong the toy is that you buy from Petco. She's got it torn in shreds in no time. Yeah. Uh, Zero, he likes squeaky toys. He likes making them squeak. And oh, Lily, really? Lily likes to destroy squeaky toys. So that he she likes to pull anymore. the squeakers out and yeah. pop them so they don't squeak anymore. Yeah. Yep, that's my dog does the same thing. And then he's kind of bummed out about it. But no, no, I swear to God, she like had a funeral for that goddamn bumblebee, Travis. And it was it was adorable. You should have uh, videoed that and put that up on uh, the TikToks or something. I, I shuffled the bumblebee into the yard so that she'd quit uh, looking at it, and she went and found it in the yard. Well, you know what you should have done for her? Really made a ceremony out of it. Dug a hole in the backyard, <laughs> maybe played some music, you know, made her sit there and really kind of think about in what she arms. did. arms of the angel. <laughs> exactly. Travis, I have a Buried- picture. I have a pick of the week for you. You do? Uh, yeah, I do. No. Um, have you seen the uh, the the preview for the uh, the Muppets Mayhem series? Yeah, man. Where uh, Doctor Teeth and Electric Mayhem decide they're going to make an album. That's right. Haven't watched it yet, Travis, but I can already tell you I'm going to love that fucking gold. show. It looks gold, so Trappy good. Gold. It looks so good, Travis. It's the fucking Muppets, and it's Doctor Teeth and Animal. And Janice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to. You put animal in anything and I'm going to watch. 
Uh, I loved the Geico commercial or whatever. Was it Geico or Progressive commercial that he was in? <laughs> when he lived in the attic or something? When he lived in the, well, yeah. Oh, that yeah, that was... So good. Um, oh, I think it was Progressive. Apparently, yeah. Smashing Pumpkins frontman Billy Corgan makes an appearance on this television show, uh, Travis, in like a scene where they're trying to find collaborators to work with. He will be among them, which is hilarious to me that he's going to be featured in a Muppet show. Uh, Wasn't he on the cover of Cat Fancy magazine? Why is that funny? Because he's going to be interacting with Muppets, and I fucking love the Muppets. <laughs> and you love Smashing Pumpkins, so it's like a two for two. It's going to be great, Travis. I don't know who else they collaborate with, but I can't, I can't wait to watch this fucking show. I'd so. be surprised if Jack Black didn't pop up. He'll probably show up, Travis. He... he he he's a good fit for Muppet content, I think. We recently rewatched the. Uh, my daughter is in love with the Weird Al Yankovic movie, Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Oh Roku. yeah, <laughs> she did, we watched it how like pretty much right when it came out, and she's talked about it ever since. And we rewatched that thing like last weekend, I believe. And I'll tell you what, my initial reaction to that movie totally holds up. It is fucking bananas, but it is so goddamn funny. In the scene where uh, uh, Dr. Demento takes Weird Al to his pool house and all of those fucking like Gallagher's there and Tiny Tim is there, whatever, is just so ridiculous. But Jack Black does such a good Wolfman Jack uh, impression. It's unbelievable. And like that dude was made to do shit like that. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised for the Muppet thing. So speaking of Jack Black, did you see the Mario Brothers is now streaming on Amazon? Is it streaming? The- okay. So, so we went to like Guardians. To, would you like to take a gander on how much Mario Brothers costs? Oh, uh, nineteen ninety nine for rental. Thirty bucks. Thirty bucks. Is that rental 30 or purchase? Thirty bucks. You know, I'm not sure. I just saw thirty bucks. Yeah, like, tip, typically twenty nine ninety eight is a purchase, and then like nineteen ninety eight or ninety nine is a rental. But uh, speaking of, when we went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy on Mother's Day weekend, that was a a, a second weekend movie. Yeah. And they put Guardians of the Galaxy in the second largest screen, and they moved Mario Brothers that we saw probably five weeks after release. <laughs> they took they took it from the second largest screen and put it on the largest screen in my movie theater because it's still it, just because it's still just racking up dollars. Wow. Yeah, no, I was kind of surprised to see that that because that's still like making money in movie theaters. It's- Weird that I they figured just, they probably figure that the people who already saw it are not going to go back to the theater. I think that people are going and seeing it multiple times. Like Rob was just saying the other day that his kid keeps making him go back and watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the wonderful thing is that like a brisk hour and a half, yeah. theaters can show it like five times a day, right. which is just an amazing revenue. Right. But I bet I bet they're like, hey, these kids that love this movie would probably watch it over and over and over again. Let's charge $30 for them to watch it. <laughs> Drunk pick of the week? Yeah, Drunk's pick of the week. Uh, I'm going to go a little Travi pee pants on it. Ooh. Uh, so this show is probably about 10 years old at this point, but uh, I went and saw, watched season one of The Man in the High Castle this week. Oh. 
Oh, not, how is it? Not so bad. It's not so bad. I like it. That's the one that the, the Nazis won, right? Yeah, yeah, the Nazis. Yeah, if the Nazis would have won World War II, uh, the e- East Coast of America is Nazi occupied, and the West Coast is Japanese occupied. And huh. That premise is amazing. Hitler's getting ready to die, and then the Japanese and the Nazis are getting ready to go to war for. <laughs> the whole of America. So, see, I'm really, I'm really bummed out. Like that came out about five years before. I don't know if you guys remember this. It was in the heat of the Trump era, where people, anything that might have seemed, uh, I don't, disingenuous is is not the right word, but right anything that's unsavory, unsavory was like just bashed out of existence. <laughs> yeah. And they actually they announced that show. Uh, there, I think it was an HBO show that was going to come out where the I believe the South had won the Civil War. Yeah, it was supposed to be the guys from Game of Thrones. Right, and that premise is amazing. Yeah. Like, I would love to see like a take on well, what it's, it's, America would be. It's the same deal. It's like a five-book series by... Uh, his name is uh, Lovejoy, something Lovejoy. No. I, re- so they don't frame it like it was a good thing. No, it's just like this is what no could have yeah because yeah, like in the books, uh, um, the South annexes Cuba and Mexico and shit. It gets crazy. Yeah, that sounds like it would be awesome to watch, huh? Yeah. So, Man in the High Castle, you recommend it? I do, I do. Uh, I got through season one. It's gonna start season two probably this weekend. Uh, and is that an that is an Amazon Prime show? That's correct? an Amazon Prime, and it, it goes for four seasons. So. And it has an actual ending. Yeah, I might check it out then. Because there's nothing that I hate more than as far watching as I, a show. I, I believe it has an actual ending because I remember um, promoting the last season of. Uh, also, I'll they said you... this is going to be the last season. Well, it was, uh, yeah. I'll wait till you're finished and you tell me if it actually has a resolution. <laughs> That's fine. And if it does, I, that, that works for me. Yeah, um, if it does, I will 100 percent watch it because there's nothing worse than starting a show. That right. just no, fucking I, yeah. ends. Yeah, like, Travis. I'll tell you what. That uh, lost. speaking of <laughs> yeah. Amazon Prime, I think we already mentioned it before. But that uh, that Air Jordan movie with Ben Affleck and Jason Bateman that's worth that's worth a watch for free. Yeah, I'll take a look at that. Yeah, you you, you, you watch it, and when it's over, you say, "Yeah, I enjoyed you said that. Air. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty good, nice. pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this went from 2015 to 2019. So that's a good run. Yeah, four seasons. Uh, Travis's pick of the week this week is uh, the uh, I think it's a six episode docuseries on Disney Plus called Light and Magic. This is uh, about the formation and the rise of uh, George Lucas's company, Industrial Light and Magic, which was started out of necessity because when George Lucas made Star Wars, there wasn't specifically special effects uh, studios. So he was uh, tasked on bringing together all of these random people who could do uh, special effects on film, uh, which turned into Industrial Light and Magic, which started out as just a Star Wars deal. Uh, They made that and Empire Strikes Back. And then as the time uh, got longer between uh, Star Wars movies, this industrial light and magic was uh, essentially subcontracted out to other productions, and it became what we know today, which was the uh, special effects company behind Jurassic Park, 
and all and and many many other things. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, but it, they also show the evolution of practical practical effects into computer effects and how Industrial Light and Magic was uh, the originator of Pixar. Uh, and once uh, Industrial Light and Magic got what they needed out of Pixar, they sold them off to uh, Steve Jobs. <laughs> and uh, they also were the creators of Photoshop, which I did not know. Wow, really? Um, and that, Yeah, that was also created out of necessity uh, for things ILM was trying to do in film. So... Uh, uh, it was amazing to find out that a lot of the things that we uh, know or use today were actually all the brainchild of George Lucas, essentially, who created this company. Was that in uh, the just to make Star Wars in the Star Wars deal? So this is on the flicks. This is on no. This is on Disney Plus. Oh, so I'm sorry. yeah. So he yeah he created Industrial Light and Magic because he needed to uh, to make the first handful of Star Wars movies. Uh, and then it just became so big that they were essentially the effects companies, which spawned um, all of the effects companies that we uh, that like, we know today. When, when he sold Star Wars to Disney, was that part of the deal? Nope. He retained uh, Industrial Light and Magic. They oh. got Lucasfilm, uh, but Industrial Light and Magic was its own company. It's its so own I believe thing. I believe George Lucas still owns uh, ILM. Cool. Do they own the Star Wars toys, too? Uh, I'm not sure if Lucas uh, retained some part of the licensing because for that. I, he was the originator the, of the licensing right, deal. The because original I know that, people yeah. that made the Star Wars toys went out of business, right? Yeah, well, originally I believe it was Kenner, and I think Hasbro owns it now, so I think Kenner still exists. Okay, but, okay, okay. Yeah, so the the, the reason that George uh, Lucas became so wealthy was because he was one of the first people who, to actually retain the licensing rights to, uh, uh, to a movie that he made. action figures, right? Right, and that, that the, comp- the, the studio didn't think that there would be any money behind the licensing, so they're like, yeah, fine, whatever, keep them. And then all of a sudden, he made it a kajillion dollars on action figures. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I, I was about to say, I knew he made a lot of money in the action figure. I don't know yeah. if it was that particular company or whatnot, but I, I do know that about George Lucas. Yeah, I highly recommend this series. It was really cool. I kind of, I had heard yeah, about it. Yeah, that sounds cool. I, I hadn't heard of that. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, they're, but they're, the episodes are like an hour apiece, and I, I believe there's either five or six. I believe there's six, but it, it brings us right to current about what ILM is doing today. So it was really, really interesting. Guys, we did it. Fuck yes. We, we knocked it out drunk. Going to do it again probably pretty soon. Okay. Uh, Go watch the Black Gals Monster. Yeah. The, the angry black girl and her monster, Travis, they sent us a screener of it because we're big shots. But you guys can see it on June 8th. Uh, yeah. It, it's going to be in theaters up against Transformers. Yeah, so. screw Transformers. <laughs> go, uh, go watch Beast them. Wars. Come on. Looks Beast cool Wars. Fuck, go, go watch Black Frankenstein. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, later. Uh, Dill later.
Thank you for listening to this installment of WFOD. Our operation is 100% independent, so your support is appreciated. We don't advertise, so we rely on word of mouth. Please take a moment to tell a friend, share a link, leave a review, or any of the other things podcasts ask you to do. Music featured in this episode is by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Check him out at whitebataudio.com. You can contact us with comments or questions by phone at 636-487-HAND or by email at mike at wfodix.com, travis at wfodix.com, or drunk at wfodix.com. Special thanks, as always, to our Patreon sponsors, Jim Chadman, Brian Kranz, Liquid Lozenge, Valerie Carpenter, Jay Adson, and Rabbit Poundings. If you want early access to episodes, you can support the show at patreon.com slash WFODix. Our entire catalog can be found at WFODshow.com, or you can find our feed of the latest episodes on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, iHeart, or wherever else fine podcasts are found. Check us out on social media, WFOD Show on Twitter and Instagram, WFODix on Facebook and YouTube. We will return next week, but really, we're never gone. Take care. Bye.